What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and thank you so much for joining me for episode number 145. Oh my goodness, we have a lot to catch up on. Yes, we do. Now, I understand game one of the NBA Finals were last night. I understand that. And I also understand that we weren't able to really discuss Game 6 and Game 7 of the Miami Heat Eastern Conference Finals Series. And I do kind of want to touch upon that real quickly before we dive into the NBA Finals, Game 1 against the Golden State Warriors. I mean, there's just so much that we need to catch up on. And yes, today's episode is going to be all Celtics. Uh, We did this with the Bruins, we've done this with the Patriots, we've done this with the Red Sox, and lately we've been doing this with the Celtics. I do believe being in the the NBA Finals deserves an exclusive episode between here to the end of the series. Now, I do want to give you some initial thoughts, opinions, comments, concerns, just some sports takes about the Celtics prior to the events that occurred in Game 1 where the Boston Celtics were able to win 120-108 to in Game 1 in San Francisco against the Golden State Warriors. And then, obviously, I'm going to give you some thoughts, questions, comments, concerns after Game 1. But I do want to touch upon the Miami Heat series first, that Game 7. But before I do, I do want to thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you're listening on audio-only platforms, I really do appreciate everybody for downloading, listening, and enjoying Merv's Boston Sports Talk. If you listen to this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on this video. Please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel if you're new or have not considered subscribing yet. But with all the pleasantries out of the way, I do want to dive into Game 7 really quickly. I know it's you know it's been a while, but let me just touch upon this real quick. The Celtics were up by 7 going into that fourth quarter. They were up by 7 points. They once led by 15 at the end of the first. I don't know the exact numbers throughout the course of the game. But the Miami Heat did not give up. And, you know, respect to them and... You know, all the props in the world to Jimmy Butler for literally playing all 48 minutes. Players typically don't do that anymore. Bam Adebayo had 46. Tatum had 46. Horford Brown had 44. Like, you'll see players in the mid to low 40s. But 48, what an absolute performance by Jimmy Butler. I mean, leaving his heart and soul out there. But this is the thing that I want to comment about the Celtics in Game 7. And I just want to be brief here with Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Is that the Celtics, at one point, were up in the series three games to two. And they lost the series-clinching Game 6 at home in Boston. Now, if they lost Game 7, the season would have been an absolute failure. Yeah, you swept Brooklyn. That's fantastic. Yeah, you 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 were able to beat the defending champions in the Milwaukee Bucks in seven games. But you're up three games to two against a clearly inferior opponent in the Heat, roster wise, right? Skill talent wise, superstar wise, or superstars. It's just you were favored to win that series. You had a bunch of terrible performing games where if you just did one thing right not turn the ball over 24 times 
you would have won. Maybe if you had the refs not call garbage calls, you could have won. I truly believe the Celtics won six of those seven games. I really do. But, however, they just shot themselves in the foot in two of them, or they were just bad performance this, bad refing that, whatever it may have been. But I really do believe that they won six of those seven games. However, game seven, you know, back and forth battle with Jimmy Butler. Literally just Jimmy Butler. Yes, Bam Adebayo had 25 points himself. P.J. Tucker, zero. Max Struess, eight. Oladipo, nine. Gabe Vincent, four. And then you have Kyle Lowry with 15. Like, Jimmy Butler... Throughout the course of that series, really had no help, which really gave the Celtics a huge edge where you have Tatum. If he's not on, you can go to Brown. If he's not on, Tatum will pick up the slack. Horford has dropped 20-plus, 30-plus points in the playoffs. Smart has put up multiple 20-point games. Grant Williams has gone off for threes like Derek White was cooking. There was really no excuse for the Celtics to lose that series. And at the end, they almost did. They were one Jimmy Butler three-pointer from going down by one point in the Eastern Conference Finals with like 17 seconds to go. And Jimmy Butler's no three-point shooter. We all know that. However, you know, he was hitting in game six and he was a little, you know, a little hot in game seven. But I can strongly say that every Celtic and probably every Heat fan, when that ball was in the air, Life just paused for the longest second. Obviously, Boston fans are yelling, No! Heat fans, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they were yelling. And then the ball hit the front rim and you grab the rebound. Unbelievable. Because, you know, if that's an offensive rebound to, I believe Kyle Lowry was in the, in the area. You know, you know he was going to up fake, draw the foul, kind of flop a little bit and go to the free throw line. We know that was coming. But we, if uh, Jimmy Butler hit that shot, we don't know what was going to happen with the Celtics down one. Because you had to go, you had to go score. You had to go score. And even if you do, that leaves the Heat with another possession. Because you're not going to let that clock wind down and go for one possession. You're going to try to go, maybe get a foul, try to get another possession if you do miss, offensive rebound, whatever it may be. If you do miss, you got a foul, then you got to play that game. It's a lot of terribly bad things could have happened if Jimmy Butler made that shot but he fell short and the Celtics do clinch their ticket to the Eastern Conference Finals now with I mean sorry they clinched the ticket to the NBA Finals I gotta switch gears from Eastern Conference to the actual NBA with that being said with that being said the Celtics have reached their 22nd NBA Finals in in their history they have won 17 they've lost i got to do the math. They lost four. Most recently, they were in the NBA Finals in 2010 against the Los Angeles Lakers when they lost in seven games to Kobe Bryant that year, where they were up three games to two. They last won in 2008 when they beat Kobe Bryant and the Los Angeles Lakers in seven games. However, with that being said, in the opponent that you're facing on the other side in the Golden State Warriors, just pull up that game here, with the Celtics in the NBA Finals now, I do strongly believe that this season, whether you win or lose, specifically if you lose, is no longer is no longer a failure. Now, if you lost the Bucks series, if you lost the Heat series, 
season failure. It doesn't matter where you were, 14 and 17, 20 and 21, second seed, doesn't matter where you finished. You matched up better than the Milwaukee Bucks. You matched up better than the Miami Heat. You were supposed to win those series. You were clearly the better team with the you know deeper, deeper rotation, deeper roster. There was no excuse for you guys to not win those series. And if they lost, season failure does not matter. Where they're in the NBA Finals and they're going up against a battle-tested Golden State Warriors team who has 123 NBA Finals games experience among the whole team and the Celtics have none. And the Golden State Warriors have been to the seven of the last nine NBA Finals. I think I think it's something like that. Seven of the last nine, I think. Something absolutely crazy. They've been here before. They're a very good team. They have the best three-point shooter of all time, a top five three-point shooter of all time, Curry arguably a top ten player of all time. And I've said this, and I'm going to stick with it. If Steph Curry wins this series then I do believe he needs to be more seriously discussed in the top five player of all time discussion. I'm not going to sit here and say that he is if if the Golden State Warriors win. I know I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but I just want to preface this. I'm not saying that Steph Curry is better than a, a Wilt, a Kareem, uh, a Bill Russell, a Jordan, a LeBron, a Bird, a Magic, a Shaq. I'm not saying that. But you have to throw his name in that conversation. I strongly believe there's about 10 to 12 players in the league that you could argue as a top five player of all time. There's probably 20 players you could argue that are top 10 players of all time. Hell, maybe even 25 players that you could argue are top 10 players of all time. But when I'm thinking top five players, obviously I'm thinking Jordan, LeBron, uh, Shaq in his prime, Kobe, Bill Russell, Kareem, Wilt, Bird. I mean, there's a huge list. Again, 10 to 12 guys you could probably throw in that top five of all time. And if Steph Curry wins, you have to put him in that list. You At least in that discussion, okay? You have to at least put him in that discussion. However, if he loses, I don't think it deteriorates his, his status in NBA lore, in NBA history. But I don't think it makes him a top five player. I mean, I think right now he's arguably a top a top 10 player of all time. I do. I really do. But even with him being arguably a top 10, arguably top 15 player of all time, the Celtics heading into this series. Now, again, I'm going to give you my outlook of this series before game one. And then obviously I'm going to break down game one, of course. But, you know, I have to give you my thoughts and opinions leading into this series because I wasn't able to do so. But if the Celtics have a better team than the Golden State Warriors, if the Celtics had a better team than the Miami Heat and the Celtics had a better team than the Milwaukee Bucks, it's not outlandish to say that the Celtics should win this series. And if the Celtics win the series... Is that going to impede on Steph Curry's, like I said, status in NBA history? No, I don't think so. I mean, he can only do so much. 
especially when you're going up against a team that has Tatum, Horford, Brown, Smart. Derek White has been playing out of his mind lately. Rob Williams, the rim protector. Uh, Grant Williams, who has been cold the past couple games, but hey, we know that he can light it up from three from time to time. Peyton Pritchard coming off the bench, giving you some big minutes, hitting a few shots. Yeah, you know, the Golden State Warriors have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, and say what you want about him, but Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins has been a fantastic find for the Golden State Warriors. Jordan Poole has come on as of late. There is still a discrepancy, but not as a large discrepancy as, say, the Bucks or the Heat, between the Warriors and the Celtics. I, I, I really think that discrepancy is closer, but I still give the edge to the Celtics. I do. I think that they're a much better physical team. They're a much better defensive team. I think overall they're a better shooting team. Now, listen, Curry and Thompson can make up a lot of three-point shooting if you don't have any on a team. But, yes, Wiggins can shoot a little bit. Draymond, I, I guess, but, like, are we really going to count on him? Jordan Poole, obviously. Otto Porter, sure. But, literally, everybody that has that played significant minutes for the Celtics in Game 1 um, obviously, Tatum, Horford, Williams, Brown, Smart, White, Pritchard, Williams. And, I mean, Daniel Tice had six minutes. But he hit a three in the corner, so let's kind of throw him into there. They all can shoot besides Rob Williams. Rob Williams is the only player that played significant minutes last night for the Celtics who can't shoot threes consistently, regularity, whatever. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players. I mean... Draymond Green can, I mean, I guess he's in probably the same boat as like a Daniel Tice maybe. But, I mean, Kevon Looney's not going up there shooting threes. Iguodala, yeah, I know he hit one, but, I mean, he's probably the, if you were to put him on the Celtics, he's probably the worst three-point shooter that played significant minutes besides Rob Williams. Like, I'll take Grant Williams, I'll take Daniel Tice, I'll take Pritchard, and everybody else over Andre Iguodala. I just think the scoring and the, ability to shoot the three ball is much more vast with the Celtics and I think that gives them a significant edge because yes Steph Curry shot uh what was it six for eight threes or six for nine threes in the first quarter hitting 21 points like it was an absolute spectacle it was a show and he finished with 34 but if you can slow everyone has on nights everyone has off nights we know that that's sports but if you can slow Steph Curry down and say he only hits half of those threes. Then that, I mean, the Celtics won by 12 points last night. If Steph Curry hits only, say, four threes, you're taking away at least nine points. And now you're winning by 21. However, I mean, where are those other nine threes going to come from that you know are going to come on a regular basis? Wiggins? Obviously, you can count on Klay Thompson, absolutely. Jordan Poole? I mean, the Warriors, in their own right, have been dinged up by injuries. Celtics have been, too. And obviously, with Game 1 and you had a few days of rest, you know, you expect to be healthy. You want to be healthy. I mean, the Warriors have had more days off than the Celtics, so they've had a lot more days to rest and relax and recharge and reboot. However, with that comes a little bit of rust, a little bit of fatigue, Celtics just finished a series the other day in, on Sunday. They're ready to rock and roll. And I thought that was going to serve them better in the Miami Heat series because they just rolled into 
that Miami Heat series from the Bucks, and the Heat had days days off, but the Heat ended up winning. But again, the Celtics kind of shot themselves in the foot. However, Celtics are in the flow of things, and they were able to win Game One. Now that the Warriors have their feet under them, could we see the Warriors come out and win Game Two? Absolutely. However, let me just finish a little bit more of my pre-series discussion real quick. Now, this series is full of stars. Tatum, Brown, Smart, uh, Horford, (laughs) you know, he's been a star in this league. Rob Williams is a budding star. But then you look on the other side, you got Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Green, up and coming, Jordan Poole. Like, there are tons of good players across this series. Absolutely across this series. And I think it served evident last night, but going into the series, again, that's where I'm kind of looking, my mindset right now, is you know what you're going to get from Tatum. You know what you're going to get from Brown. Marcus Smart could give you 20, he could give you nothing. But the player that has really stepped up their game as of late for the Celtics is Derek White. And, And Derek White gave you 21 points last night in 32 minutes with tremendous defense, of course. But what you can get from Derek White, if you can get more from Derek White than what the Warriors are going to get out of, let's say, Jordan Poole, probably, you know, that sixth guy, maybe seventh guy off the bench. Again, a lot of people are really big on Jordan Poole, you know, because what he did in the Western Conference finals and semifinals. But if you can get more from Derek White, who's probably the Celtics version of maybe Jordan Poole, at least, you know, rotationally. I think that's going to serve better for the Celtics because Marcus Smart's going to cover um, Steph Curry. Jalen Brown's going to cover Klay Thompson. So, I mean, if Jalen Brown can give you the same thing that Golden State's getting from Klay Thompson, there's a wash. I don't expect Marcus Smart to put up Steph Curry numbers, but if you can get Tatum to put up Steph Curry numbers in terms of points, that's a wash. I mean, Andrew Wiggins... Drop 20. I feel very confident that, you know, I can get 20 from a Smart or a Horford. But then where else is the Golden State Warriors going to get their scoring from? Draymond Green, four points last night. Kevon Looney, four points last night. Uh, Otto Porter had 12. Iguodala had seven. I I just, again, it kind of goes back to the depth. And this is something that really favored the Celtics in the Bucks series and the Heat series is depth, rotation, versatility, Grant Williams can play uh, guard four positions, almost five positions. You saw Rob Williams last night guarding Clay Thompson. Like, was it? No, it was. Uh, was it? It was Andrew Wiggins. That's what it was. He was guarding Andrew Wiggins in the half court. It's just like, I mean, I don't want Rob Williams guarding a guard all night or a forward, I should say, all night. But when you're allowing yourself to do that because he's quick, he's versatile, he's you know shifty on his feet. I just think it allows the defense to play a lot better so you can switch and feel confident with almost any switch. I mean, Rob Williams blocked Seth Curry's three-pointer last night. I mean, Rob Williams just has that reach and that bounce to do that. Uh, Who knows? That shot probably would have went in. I mean, Seth Curry was hitting everything under the sun for the first three quarters. And then he falls off a cliff in in the fourth like the whole team did. And the Celtics really exploded in that fourth quarter, resulting in 40 points. For them in the fourth quarter alone, and the Golden State Warriors only had 16, where the Celtics won by 12. So, with everything going into this series, and I'm going to admit, I will admit, I did have the Warriors in five. 
going into the series. And obviously, that's a very unbiased and hopefully an unrealistic projection prediction that I have. Obviously, I want the Celtics to win. Obviously. I was proven wrong. I thought the Warriors were going to be a much better opponent for the Celtics in terms of matchups, in terms of defensive versatility, offensive you know, depth. And listen, it's only been game one, so I'm not trying to sit here and overreact. But that could possibly be true after maybe, say, game two. We could notice a big discrepancy between the Celtics and the Warriors in many areas, whether it's scoring, defense, rebounding, uh, rotations, three-pointers. We don't know yet. It's only been game one. Any game could have a different story. And I think in game in game one, it was a story of runs, right? The Celtics went on a run to open the game. The Celtics, uh, the Warriors went on a run. Then the Warriors went on a uh, Celtics went on a run. The Warriors went on a big run. Then the Celtics went on a massive run, and it's just a game of runs. It's just how it is. A team's gonna go seven and zero. Then another team's gonna come back and go fifteen and two, and then another team's gonna you know score ten in a row. It just happens. That's just basketball. And I strongly do believe that the Warriors are a completely different team than the Celtics have ne- have faced so far in the playoffs, whether it's the Nets, Bucks, or the Heat. I mean, the Warriors are clearly, in my opinion, the best team that the Celtics will have faced in the NBA playoffs. I just think they do a lot of things great. They do a lot of things well. They have a, a, probably the best coach that they've faced in Steve Kerr probably the best roster and the best three-point shooting ability obviously ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go nearly two million ohioans live with a mental health condition in the u.s more than 50 percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. And I think with the amount of games that they've played, the amount of physicality they've played in this playoffs, the amount of seven-game series that they've had to play, I think it's going to take a toll on the Celtics. However, they're young. They're juiced up. They're ready to rock and roll and prove the world wrong. And hey, after game one, they proved me wrong. They have. They did. And I'm proud. I'm very proud to be a Celtics fan right now. Now listen, it's only game one. Warriors could go out and blow us out in game two and make it an even series. Absolutely. However, the Celtics, they have that fight. When they're down 10, 15 points, they know how to come back. They did it countless times against the Bucks, the Heat, and they just did it last night against the Warriors. So when I see the Celtics down by 10, yeah, I don't feel good because that 10-point deficit could easily turn into 2025 with the Warriors and their shooting ability. You know, if they're down by 10 against the Heat, you know, I didn't feel like that was out of reach because I know the Heat weren't going to drop 10 to 12 points in two minutes. But the Warriors can. I mean, Steph Curry alone can. We saw that in the first quarter. We saw that alone in the first quarter. What... Steph Curry is able to do and the Celtics haven't played anybody like Steph Curry now they've played a bunch of great stars thus far in their road to the finals they played against Kevin Durant 
I guess I should throw Kyrie in there. They played against Giannis, Jimmy Butler. These are some big names in the game of basketball. But none of them, unfortunately, are Steph Curry. Now, you could probably say that Kevin Durant's better than Steph Curry. But Kevin Durant's shooting ability is nowhere near what Steph Curry's shooting ability is, at least from three. I mean, Steph Curry's making these crazy-ass three-pointers from anywhere, and he can make it. And he's obviously in the paint just, you know, throwing this layup up and that shot up, and it's going in. And that can be tough to stop, and that can be really tough to stop. So for the Celtics, they will be tested in this series. They will be tested. Now, obviously, their best player being 6'2", 6'3", point guard, I think serves them very well because you can have Smart guard that. You can have Derek White, Jalen Brown, even Jason Tatum guard him. Whereas, you know, Jimmy Butler, you can still have the same group of guys guard him. But, like, Giannis, like, obviously you had those same group of guys. But, you know, for someone like Derek White, who's, you know, eight inches shorter than Giannis, it could be a little bit of a challenge. Whereas Steph Curry is more of Derek White's height, you know, it makes it a little bit easier. So I, I'm very excited for this series. I'm very, very excited for this series. I fully expect it to go six, seven games. And I think last night is just an impediment of a game, basketball being a game of runs, coaching, uh, focus, and then just, you know, determination. I mean, I think the Warriors, when they went up by, I think they were up by 15 at one point. I don't know if it was like 15 or 17. I forget what their biggest lead was. They almost got complacent in a way. Like, I know Steph Curry was in a little bit of foul trouble, but they almost got complacent. And the Celtics, they just played loose. They played free, and that was what helped them go on a 40-16 to 16 run in the fourth quarter. Now, I don't expect that every night, especially now that the Warriors know what they're in for. I mean, because the Warriors, in their road, to the NBA Finals, has been fairly light. Uh, who did they play in the first round? I actually do kind of forget who they played. Uh, hold on. They played the Mavs in the Western Conference Finals, the Grizzlies in the semis, and the Nuggets in the first round. And I've talked about this before with you know people here at the shop, but the Nuggets, I mean, yeah, they have Nikola Jokic, but that's it. That's it. And you, big man being your best player with no other help is a recipe for disaster. Because, again, Steph Curry is a perimeter guy. Klay Thompson's a perimeter guy. Jordan Poole, when he was starting to go off, perimeter guy. Then the Grizzlies. Yeah, there was going to be John Morant, but he got injured. So that was, you know, a tough six-game series. But the Grizzlies didn't have their best player for just about all that whole series. Then you look at the Mavs series. Yes, Luka Doncic. But that's it again. And the Warriors were ended up to win in five. The Mavericks had, you know, like I said, Luka. They had Jalen Brunson, cool, and they had some other supporting guys. But again, that was it. And when they go up against the Celtics, I've already talked about this. You got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Derek White, Al Horford, Rob Williams, uh, Peyton Pritchett, Grant Williams. Like, these are some guys that can get some buckets. You know, may not be like a Luka. May not be like a, a John Morant, but they can all get buckets. I mean, Tatum had an off night, only scoring 12 points. But hey, he dished out 13 assists, and they won by 12. Horford, 26 points. Jalen Brown, 24. Smart, 18. Derek White, 21. I mean, the scoring was going around in plenty. So when I tell you that the Warriors 
their road to the finals was Denver, one star. Um, Memphis Grizzlies, one star, but injured. And then Dallas Mavericks, one star. But then you look at the Celtics' road to the finals. Nets, two stars. Uh, the Bucks, Giannis, arguably the best player on the face of the earth right now. And then you look at the Heat, Jimmy Butler, one star. Okay, I'll, get, I'll give him that. I mean, their road to the finals was significantly difficult. Now, again, you know, they made it a little more difficult than it had to be by losing game six, you know, against the Heat. Okay, I get that. But still, the Celtics' road to the NBA Finals has been significantly more difficult. They are more battle-tested, and I strongly believe that's a good thing. Could that be a bad thing where it wears them down? Possibly. But I think with the overall youth of this team, I think it's going to help them in the long run. Whereas the Golden State Warriors are a little bit older and they had a lighter road. I mean, one of the announcers last night said that uh, Steph Curry had no idea what hit him because he wasn't expecting the type of physicality that the Celtics were going to give him, that they were going to guard him with. And in, in the Steve Kerr era, I think the Celtics are the only team to have a winning record against Steve Kerr and the Warriors. And every time they've played, whether it was with Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas to... Kyrie, Tatum, and Brown, or to now, they've always played the Warriors tough. I mean, years ago, I don't want to say years ago, but like, you know, four or five years ago, whatever it was, the Celtics broke the Warriors' home winning streak. It was like 50-something games that they won, 56 straight games that they won at home. And the Celtics went in there and beat the Warriors on their home court. I think that was still like Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, like Jay Crowd. I think it was like those guys. I could be wrong about the time period, but it was like that team. And at the time, that team had no expectations. They were fun to watch, so they had nothing to lose. And obviously now the tension's a little bit tighter and a little bit more stiff because we're at the point, or at least I should say the Celtics were at the point where they do have something to lose, where if they lost in the first, second, or third round, the season would be a failure. And I think, you know, at this point, the season is a success, regardless if they win or lose this NBA Finals. However, with the Celtics now up one game to nothing, is it outlandish of me to say, is it obnoxious for me to say, or is it right for me to say that if the Celtics win, if they, I'm sorry, if they lose this series, then the season is a failure being up one nothing, when the Warriors were the favorite to win. A bunch of people were picking the Warriors to win. However, you won game one in hostile environment. In Golden State, you stole home court back. So now you don't have to win on the road. You can just win at home and raise that trophy in game six at the Garden if you want. You're up one nothing. You stole home court back. As long as you don't lose the next four of six games, you will win the NBA Finals. So is it safe to say that the Bruins, oh, Jesus, the Bruins, the Celtics, at this point, if they lose this series, it is now officially a failure. If, they lost, if the Celtics lost game one, then they'd have to go out and win the next four of six. And if they lost, okay, it's not a failure. But if they won, that's fantastic. 
And if they win the series now, it's fantastic. And I, I slipped up and I mentioned the Bruins because in 2019, against the Stanley Cup Finals against the St. Louis Blues, the Boston Bruins were up two games to one against the St. Louis Blues. All they had to do was win the next two of five games. That's it. Wait, right? No, two of two of four games. I had to pause to double check my math. But yes, two of four games. That's it. And with the Celtics now up one nothing. Again, they just need to go out and win the next uh, three of six games. All they can, all of those wins can come at home. But the Bruins were up two games to one against those Blues in 2019, and they lost. They lost the next three of four games. A colossal collapse. And resulting in the season being an ultimate failure because you were so close. And I think the Celtics, if they lost game one, I wouldn't feel like this. Whereas, since they did win game one, now the Celtics are in a position or have put themselves in a position that if they do go out and lose this series, it is an official failure. So with just one game, again, it is one game. The expectations for the Boston Celtics have completely shifted. Completely shifted. But I think that's a fair assessment. I really do. I really do think that's a fair assessment for this team. The Celtics are now the betting favorite in this series. A lot of people nationally are picking the Warriors. But I think after game one, a lot of people are double-guessing because they did not expect the Celtics to take that punch by Steph Curry, take that third quarter that the Golden State Warriors have been famously known for to go on to put teams away in years past. They didn't expect the Celtics to take those punches, respond, and win. And again, it's game one. I have to emphasize this several times because it's only one game, and I know that. I know it's just one game. But hey, one game can really set the tone. Curry, he's an older guy now. He's not like the young, you know, 27-year-old when he was first going up against LeBron. He's older now. The Celtics team is young. They're good on defense. It's going to be very tough for Steph Curry to kind of get those shots that he wants when you have the defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart guarding you at all times. A very, very good defender in Derek White guarding you. Obviously, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and then, hell, you even got Rob Williams blocking your three-point shot. <laughs> it's going to be tough. It's a very physical team in Boston Celtics, and I just don't think Curry and the Warriors were ready for that because of the path that they went on in the West. They didn't play a team nowhere near as physical as the Boston Celtics, and I think the Celtics' road to the finals from the East has prepared them for this. Because you could argue the Heat are a very similar physical team. You could argue that. I won't disagree there. But I think the physicality that the Celtics have faced in series past has really prepared them for this matchup here in the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors. I really do. Now, I've kind of mixed in my thoughts, you know, pre-game one, post-game one, during game one, whatever it may be. I do think... The Celtics are in a great position, whether they won or lost game one, in a great position. 
I mean, obviously, it's hard to say if they lost game one, if they're in a great position or not. But, you know, let's just say they lost by a couple points, right? I do think the Celtics are in a great position to still win. I mean, clearly, we know that they can play in Golden State in that hostile environment. We know that. They're a fantastic road team. They're like 8-2 and two now, 9-2 and two on the road, or whatever the, the record is. It's ridiculous. And we know that this team has yet to lose back-to-back games in the playoffs. And if the Golden State Warriors want to win the NBA Finals, the Celtics will have to lose back-to-back playoff games. So mathematically, scientifically, hypothetically, the Celtics should win the NBA Finals. They should. But the question is, will they be able to execute? Will they be able to perform? Will they be able to not shoot themselves in the foot? And will they be able to go out there and finish the job? Those are some big questions that only the Celtics will be able to answer. Do I think they can? Absolutely. Do I think they should? Absolutely. Do I think they could? Absolutely. But the question is, will they? And only the Celtics will be able to answer that question because we've seen time and time again, you know, the Bucks and the Heat series, games they should win, they kind of lose. And if you can steal this second game in Golden State that tips off Sunday, uh, Sunday at 9 o'clock probably, I'm going to assume, 8 o'clock on Sunday, oh good, get an uh, extra hour, 8 o'clock on Sunday, if they can win that game too and go back to Boston up to nothing, I don't want to get that far. It will be huge. I'm not going to say you know, the rest of the series is a formality. Warriors have been here plenty of times. They, you know, they know how to play under pressure. They know how to play when their backs are against the wall. However, the Celtics do too. The Celtics do too. And I really think that this series is going to be a long one. I think it's going to be a good one. But right now, the pressure is still on both sides. I mean, obviously, the Warriors lost game one. You know, they have to win game two to steal home court back. So, obviously, the pressure... I'm sorry, no, they have to win one in Boston in order to steal home court back. The pressure is still on the Warriors, respectively. But again, circling back to a previous point, the Celtics have now won game one. As long as they don't lose the next four or six games, they'll win. And if they do, a colossal collapse, a colossal failure... Whereas if they lost game one, those expectations are long gone. Because you're going up against the Warriors. You're going up against three of the best shooters of all time. Maybe five of the uh, top, not, not three of the best shooters, the uh, top three shooters of all time, top five shooters of all time, and Curry and Thompson. So to be able to go out there with no finals experience against two, potentially three Hall of Famers, you know, Draymond, maybe, maybe, then... People would understand. You are a clear underdog going into that series. Since you stole game one, and you won by 12 points, taking blow after blow after run after punch by the by the Warriors, and you were still able to go on a 40-16 to 16 run in the fourth quarter? That shows something. That shows something that you're here to play, and you're here to win. I do like the Celtics' chances. I'm not ready to say... You know, they're going to win and they're the finals champions. I'm not ready to do that yet. Again, it's only game one and we have to look at it game by game. One game at a time. I've been saying this all playoffs long. 
look at it at a game at a time. If the Celtics do win game two, all right, let's look at game three. We're up 2-0. How can we put the series away and go up 3-0? If the Warriors win game two, one-to-one, best of five now. How can we go out there and finish the job in best of five? You have to look at it a game at a time. Steph Curry could go out there and drop 50 points in a blink of an eye in game two. He could go out there and drop 15. I mean, Jason Tatum, you were able to win 120-108 with Jason Tatum scoring 12 points. Was it 12 points? What was it, 12? Yeah, 12 points. Now, he was able to kind of make up for it with 13 assists, which was an absolute fantastic job because over the course of the playoffs, we have bashed him for having, you know, ghostly performances and been absolutely negative on the court for the Celtics. However, he was able to pass the ball, distribute the ball, create open shots for players because no matter how sucky he's going to perform in play, he still demands attention. He still does. That's just a fact. And with that attention is going to open up shots for Derek White, Marcus Smart, maybe Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams in the corner. Who knows? And if Tatum is going to have, you know, down games or bad performances, at least make a stamp and a footprint on the game in an other capacity. I mean, I remember hearing guys on the radio uh, let's see, during the Heat series, I think it was like heading into game seven, I think it was, talking about how Larry Bird, uh, you know, when he would have a down performance, he would still throw out 10 to 12 assists. You know, he would still get 10 to 12 rebounds. You know, maybe get a triple-double and still make an impact on the game without scoring 35 points. Again, if Tatum is not going to score well, play defense, rebound, pass the ball because you're still going to get that attention from the defense because they all know they all know that any given moment, all it takes is one shot for you to get your swagger back and for you to blow off for, I don't know, 10 straight points. It's the same for Steph Curry, and he's going to get that kind of attention from the whole Celtics defense. And again, from that is going to open up shots for Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, whoever's on the court, Andre Iguodala even, for the Warriors. So again, yes, the Celtics are up one game to nothing, And that one game, that first win for the Celtics is absolutely crucial. However, don't let it get to your head. You're still going up a great team. The best team you've played so far in the playoffs in this series is far from over. It really is. Again, this is just one game. You know, the Warriors could go out and completely destroy you by 25 points, and you won't even know what hit you. But again, you go out there and you win game two. Now we're having a whole different conversation. But hey... Let's just focus on game two right now. We'll worry about the results after, and we'll just go from there, baby. Listen, Celtics are up 1-0 here in the best-of-seven NBA Finals between them and the Golden State Warriors. Game two will tip off a little after 8 o'clock here on the East Coast, Sunday, June 5th. What are your predictions for game two? What are your predictions for the rest of the series? Let me know. Reach out to me via social media at Town. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And also, if you're listening to this on YouTube, please leave all your questions, thoughts, comments, concerns down below in the comment section as I would love to read and respond to those. I know I just kind of ranted and raved about the Celtics for literally 43 straight minutes. So I, I do appreciate you listening to this. I had a lot to talk about today. I had a lot to catch up on today regards to the heat series going into the warrior series and obviously after game one here of the nba finals but 
I'm so excited. It is good to have the Celtics here in the NBA Finals for the first time in 12 years. This team is built to win. They can win. However, they will only determine that themselves with how they play, how they're coached, how they respond and react. And overall, they just got to go play ball. Simple as that. Again, game two between the Celtics and the Warriors are Sunday, June 5th. Uh, tip off a little after 8 p.m. And I'm very excited for that. Game three is Wednesday. And game five is... When's game five? I'm sorry, game four is Friday. So we will have another episode with one team up two games to one. Or we'll have an episode with the Celtics up three games to none. Um, but like I said, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But I do want to know your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns. Please reach out to me via social media at Murph's Card Town, or leave those thoughts, questions, comments, concerns down below in the comment section if you're listening to this episode on YouTube. But that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. I really appreciate all you audio-only listeners listening to Murph's Boston Sports Talk, whether that's Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, wherever it may be, wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying to Murph's Boston Sports Talk, episode number 145. And if you listen to this episode here on YouTube, again, I also really appreciate you for clicking on the video. Please make sure you like the video if you enjoyed it. Comment down below and subscribe to the channel if you're new or have not considered subscribing. But again, that is going to do it for today's episode. I can't wait for games two. And I can't wait to see how this series just further unfolds between the Celtics and the Warriors. We have a good series on our hands. And I can't wait to see where the series ends up when we come back here next Friday to talk about games two, games three, and going into game four, wherever the series may be at that point. But hey, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but that's going to wrap it up for this one. I will catch you guys in the next episode, but between now and then, you guys know that I love you, and I will always, always see you.